be nerds. I'm your host, Stephen Jay, and today we are going to be discussing food. We can be nerdy about food. It's okay to admit it. Most people enjoy a comfort meal, enjoy a specific delicacy, and we're going to talk about it. And I have with me today Gordon and Eric, and we're going to dive into the world of food and what we like, what we don't like, what we secretly crave at midnight, and everything in between. So before we begin, Gordon, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Steve. How are you? Good. Uh, long day at work today, but we're here and we are doing the damn show. Yes, we are. No place I'd rather be, buddy. Mr. Eric, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Excellent. Glad to have you back and exciting to, excited to hear some of your takes on food because, I mean, I remember in the beginning days, I'm going to do a callback, we had a, a certain Sunday in our friend group that was very much food and movie oriented, if you recall those days, and uh, always good meals were shared during those times so I'm curious just to get your take on what you love and what you don't love and if your palate's changed at all since I from what I remember yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I want to kick it off by saying my love for food started with my first job I uh, worked for a locally owned pizza shop I believe the gentleman that I trained under was second generation American so older fellow very knowledgeable very wise and I really had never had much inclination of food it was never really it was just there it was sustenance and then when I met him and I got trained by him every Sunday morning I would meet him very early to make the fresh baked bread for the day and that is what really kicked off like my appreciation for not only food in general but the cooking process and it's kind of lived with that with me throughout my whole life so i guess my question gordon to you would be as somebody else in the food industry what kicked off your like passion interest etc i um, my mom always baked around the house and made uh, these awesome cakes and stuff for weddings. So I went into uh, the field under the bake, or I went to school with the idea of getting better at baking and uh, ended up just working in restaurants because it was just, it's not as fun as baking, but it's, it's fun enough. I get to have enough fun there. Hopefully one day I'll be in a bakery or at my own would be fun as well. Mm -hmm. but that is far away 
Eric, what about you? Because you were describing that you're not necessarily a foodie. So why don't you walk us through what this looks like for you? Yeah, like we were discussing earlier, I've, I'm not super into food. But, you know, if it's dirt and it tastes good, I'll eat it. You know, it's... <sighs> eating for me is just one way to keep myself going to the next thing in my life. But I have had a chance to uh, refine my palate, I guess we could call it, and uh, mm -hmm. try some better foods out there in the world. And uh, You know, there's some pretty delicious things out there. Um, but uh, I can hold that little snidbit more of information back uh, and wait till you call on me again. <laughs> Would you... <laughs> I appreciate that. Would you say that you, because of said experience that we'll get to, do you see yourself maybe becoming more engaged in food? Or are you, what I, I believe the term is, an experience eater? So, like, when you travel, when you vacation, when you, uh, you know, a new restaurant opens in town, that's when, like, certain people, they're love of food comes to life it's not every day it's like event based or situation based do you think that maybe you fall into that category i can i can go to any style of restaurant whether it be um italian or like a pizzeria type deal or um, you know seafood surf and turf I, I can go to any one of those and take what they're giving me as what they're giving me and base it off of other things that I know how it should taste, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as if I like that or not, that's, you know, that's irrelevant. Uh, I, I try and base it off of how well they did creating that dish, you know. Like, everybody does salmon a different way so mm -hmm. you know I, I can only compare this dish of salmon at this restaurant to this dish of salmon at that restaurant and you know that's whether I like salmon or not you know I can still compare them and you know give my opinion whether it was better than the other salmon or not but I still might not like salmon <laughs> I, okay so you're very objective you can look at I guess the bigger picture or okay i'm i'm kind of following you yeah it's kind of like the unbiased way of judging food you know i i might not be a, a big fan of like the the creole southern super spicy food but i i can eat it and then you know judge it from there you know if i have a couple of those super spicy creole dishes from louisiana i can you know, kind of judge each other, you know, base each other off of each other there and decide which one is the most palatable to me. Okay. I gotcha. Interesting. Okay, so I'm going to pose a question to both of you. And uh, these questions were not uh, given to you in advance, so if you need a minute, I can go first. But... I want you to tell me what your earliest, because food and memory are very much linked. I want you to tell me what is your earliest memory involving maybe a family dinner, a family barbecue, 
or maybe your first time trying something, but early in your development, do you have a memory regarding a food item, good or bad or indifferent? I'm curious to see, because I have this whole thing of food linking to family times and memory. Gordon, do you have anything that jumps out at you? Or do you want me to a, go a first? Couple, I have a couple of things I think I can start us off with. Um, okay. I used to live in Maine. Um, so, this might sound weird to anyone who does not live in the Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, you know, those about four or five states up there. You can get red hot dogs up there. They're just as bad for you as normal hot dogs, if not worse, because the red food coloring is really bad for you. So, that I love them, though, because they taste better, um, even though they're... <laughs> They're the same. And I, I learned my very... The absolute disdain for potato salad. Oh. Crap's garbage. Wow. Very strong words. You're not a potato salad fan. No, it's garbage. Eric, and I saw some of raisins in it once. Salad? So I just... You know what? It just... Who puts raisins in it? That just it seems worse. That's, that's not a potato salad. No, that's bro. that's some kind of uh, shit show, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah, exactly. And with raisins in there, it probably looks like it too. I'm a fan of potato salad. Uh, you, I don't know. I I think that you got some weird New England Martha Stewart shit. No, we don't talk about Martha Stewart and her embezzlement or whatever got her in trouble. I actually like kind of respect her more for that, but that's another that's another episode. Um, Eric, where do you stand on potato salad? Uh, I, I stand on the side of potato salad the same way I stand with uh, coleslaw. I, I'm kind okay. of a coleslaw and potato salad snob, okay. where I will only eat my family's potato salad, but it has to be the grandparents recipe handed down for 4th of July. That's the only time we ever make that potato salad. Special. Yes. Makes sense. I'm with you. I uh, I agree that certain things have to be, and this is kind of linking into what I was saying about memories and food association, is there are certain dishes that, if for in my case, if Grandma Rose didn't make it, it ain't, it ain't good. <laughs> And I, I kind of, I'm picking up what you're putting down as far as that. But Gordon, you said you had another food-related childhood memory that you wanted to share. Um, I think it was just the, the red hot dogs and uh, oh. potato salad being nasty. Oh, I apologize. I thought you said you had three. Um, fair enough. Eric, how about you, buddy? What's a childhood food memory that you can recall? I'd say the greatest childhood food memory uh, of all time is uh, the 4th of July steaks that my father always cooked. Ooh. And, uh, you know, that was also... Uh, we mostly had over my mother's side of the family for that one because it was up on our homestead up there. And uh, that was still controlled by my mother's side, so they would all come up. 
and my father would cook the steaks, and the, the reason why my father got the task of cooking the steaks was back whenever they, my mom and dad were first dating, uh, my mom's side of the family didn't want to have, like, seasoned chicken or anything. They just wanted plain grilled chicken. And then my dad was like, here, we're going to put a little bit of seasoning on these. You know, just a couple of them. And uh, sure as anything, my mom's side of the family just absolutely loved having flavor added to their <laughs> chicken and steak. So that just made my dad the de facto steak cooker forever. And uh, still to this day, he, he cooks all the steaks for my mom's side of the family whenever they come up for the fourth. He won uh, your mom's heart and the family's stomachs. So. Yeah. And, I, I uh, like that. Yeah, there's uh, signature dishes that only happen at the 4th of July. There's the secret uh, family recipe for the chocolate cake and the potato salad. You know, those two recipes have never been shared outside of the family. You have to be married into it to know these secret recipes. Fair. Okay. That's the only potato salad I will eat. Wow. And then, um, root salad, uh, this is a different fruit salad than, you know, normal ones. It has, like, uh, bananas and oranges, blueberries, apple, uh, and I think they put a little bit of orange juice in it. I don't know. It's real crazy. I mean, it's pretty basic. Let's just call it basic, because that's just the way it is. But it's it's perfect. It's refreshing for that day. Yeah. And then, like, my wife will make a, a fruit salad. I'm using air quotes here. You can't see me. That has, like, um, strawberries, blackberries, and watermelon in it. Oh, she's here. <laughs> Are you in trouble? Um... <laughs> yeah. uh, she makes her fruit salad, and uh, I call that her heathen fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she appreciates that. Yeah, she's glaring at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe you just uh, did what they called dug yourself a hole, my friend, but that's okay. Built the doghouse <laughs> so you can go sleep in it later tonight. <laughs> my world. <laughs> I do so, yeah, that's... That's my earliest food memory. And, uh, I like that it's tied to holidays, too. That That's pretty cool. Yeah, every holiday has a specific menu, and we do not ever deviate from that menu. Uh, my mom's side of the family is very, very big on tradition and never mm. breaking that tradition. I like it. Hmm. So, it, it, it blew their minds whenever my dad seasoned their chicken. And... Uh, it's completely altered their reality and their future. So, um, yeah, mad props to my dad for changing a whole family's palate. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he definitely earned his uh, spot within the, the family unit after that. I mean, you can't have the guy that, you know, makes good chicken suddenly disappear. You know, you got to have him around. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I would say my earliest childhood memory and she's gonna kill me for this is when my mom was on night shift and my dad was on day shift obviously two different companies but that was kind of just the cards we were dealt at the time for their uh situation she would make meatloaf that i would equate to basically putting a boulder in a crock pot and basting it and for so long, we dreaded this meatloaf. And uh, 
it was like a punishment. It was almost like, you know, if you didn't clean your room, mom's making meatloaf is the joke that would be told. So for so long, this poor woman got ragged about this meatloaf, right? And she'd always say, it's because I don't have enough time. I'm, I'm trying to get everything done at the house and I have to be at work to, you know, cloak. Because at the time, my family owned a chain. My grandparents owned a chain of grocery stores. My mom was the night manager. So it was always difficult for her to get everything she needed to do for the household done and then have a dinner in the crock pot and ready for us for dinner time. So once, you know, the situation changed and she was no longer on night shift, it, it kind of became a vendetta for her where she was like, I'm going to show you what an actual meatloaf is. And it was no, it was, it was fresh. It was made from scratch. There was no, uh, crock pots and, you know, several 17 hours <laughs> cooking situation to keep it hot for 5 PM. It was on the, out of the oven onto the plate and it was astonishing how much better her meatloaf recipe was given the circumstances and it kind of made me appreciate that you know I was probably the asshole in that situation where we're all busting on her because you know at the end of the day she was doing the best she could with the time slot she had but I will always remember that little victory she got when she made it fresh nobody had jokes Everybody didn't have time to have jokes because the, their mouths were full. And so that's probably my earliest childhood memory because I'd say I was probably around eight or nine or maybe even seven when I remember the first homemade meatloaf. And I was like, yeah, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> but it's funny how food ties so much into our lives. I guess my next question for you guys would be, Aside from your potato salad trauma, Gordon, what's the worst? And it could be something you've made, something someone made for you, dining experience. What's the worst dish you've ever had? It's going to take some thought, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's tough to narrow it down. I can... Okay. I can start if you would like, but I can rec if I, I'll, I'll throw mine out there real okay. quick. Okay, go ahead, Eric. So it was at a uh, a fairly well known restaurant around our area. I'm not going to blast them, but I'll never return to this place. <clears throat> so the wife and I, before we had kids, so we were out on a date night, and I was like, "Yes, I really want ranch wings." I really want um, you know, just mild or spicy ranch wings. So we go to this oh, place, yeah. and uh, she, the wife orders a steak, and I'm like, yeah, I want mild ranch wings. And one, her steak was complete garbage, just a piece of boot leather. And mm. my wings, it was like they just took a dozen of wings and opened up a ranch seasoning packet and dumped it on top. And like oh. they didn't, they didn't even toss it in the dry sauce. It's like, what in the hell is this? Uh. Like I, I would understand it if they said on their menu that it was a dry rub, it was a dry mm -hmm. seasoning, tossed and dry seasoning. 
It didn't say that. It just said ranch wings. I was like, that's what I want. I just want some ranch wings. And it just, it was the presentation was just complete garbage. And the wings themselves weren't that good. I don't know. <laughs> I was pretty thoroughly disappointed. And I'm the and I'm a type of person that I don't complain about my meals. Like, um, I've, I've been to restaurants where I, you know, I get pancakes and I find a couple shells in them and I just kind of eat around the shells and I don't say anything. Like... It doesn't bother me. I, I can eat eggshells. I can eat undercooked and overcooked steak. But I don't know. That day, I was feeling you know, quite the Karen in me. and <laughs> I made it pretty, uh, pretty apparent that I was never coming back there ever again. <laughs> well, I don't think I blame you because obviously... And again, we don't know the time frame of this, but, you know, wings are not... Definitely not now, but in by and large, wings have fluctuated in market price. So that, on top of a steak that comes out, and it might as well have been your beautiful wife eating her own shoe. Um, yeah, I I can see why when you're when you're facing that bill and you're like, yeah, nothing about this was good. I I I don't think that's so much as a Karen as it's a maybe you need to be looking into your best practices as a restaurant and do better. Because to I to not isolate that that's a dry rub versus a sauce, that's a pretty you know, that's a pretty big deal. That's monstrous. Yeah. That's barbaric. Very How much dare so. they? DM me the name of the restaurant. We'll talk. I have an idea already and I'm curious, but um Gordo, what's your worst food experience? I don't or know if this is the worst, but it's one that comes to mind. I still ate the food. Um, but I was probably eight or nine. We were visiting my grandmother when we went to a diner that we all, we go to this diner every time we go to went out to see her or go out to see her. It's hard to you know if you live fourteen hours away. Um mm. and there's a staple in my chicken tender uh, i'm sorry oh. a full-on staple in my chicken tender oh like not on top of the breading like in it and yeah like i took a bite and the staple was in the chicken at the time i had crowns on my teeth so i thought something would happen to that but no yeah. it was a staple uh, did they offer you an explanation? Like, we just like to staple our chicken around here? I mean, I don't... I was eight, I think, or younger. I don't remember, okay. to be honest. But you remember the staple. I remember the staple. I remember it every time I go there to eat. You, like, check your office supplies at the door, folks. <laughs> exactly. It was... Wow. Yeah, that's probably... I have a theory where that place is, too. <laughs> The weirdest, I think, experience I've had at a restaurant. That's pretty bizarre. I have to say, that one takes the cake. Uh, my only complaint is... Okay, so there is a... A restaurant, and I'm just going to say in northern PA. And it's... 
all of my life I had visited there because my family owns property up in that direction. So it'd be like, you know, weekend getaways, occasional vac- like family vacations or what have you. Um, there was a pretty consistently good restaurant um, that we would always try to patronize. And uh, there was like some weird times, you know, every, every place goes through that, you know, change in management, change in help. And uh, we happened to be there. And I would say I was, I think I was newly 21. And uh, we were there and I was super excited because, you know, I'm newly 21 and it's, this is family establishment and I can have a beer and I can, you know, be part of the boys club and do all, the whole nine yards because it was, the property is mostly used for hunting. So, you know, it's this whole experience I'm all hyped up for, but it had been about three years before I had last visited. And, um, the, the wait staff, um, the best way I could describe it was it would imagine the worst lunch lady that you ever experienced in school was your waitress and uh when i was asking about a meal she explained very abruptly that it comes with a potato and i'll never forget the way she said potato and then when we ordered said meal um the potato was at best the same taste as dirt and at worst clearly like brown and reused and left and recycled and um i would say they probably made that potato fresh uh five or seven shifts ago (laughs) and they really hadn't they had no problem plopping up that gray brown dirty potato and they were proud the waitress was very proud of the fact that the meal came with a potato and uh a potato it was and that was the first time that i i sent something back and said you like you can do better <laughs> than whatever this is and i'll never forget being that potato i'll never forget it as long as it lives at least there was um, no staple in that potato that is true. The staple has me topped. Mine was just dirty and gray and brown. But, you know, to each their own. But Mine would have caused permanent damage to the, my insides if swallowed. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, or yeah, there, it wouldn't have been fun. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question that I always seem to find people come back to when talking about food what was your favorite school lunch? Oh, I got this easily. Okay. At my school, there's two things that I absolutely loved. Well, I guess three. The, um, number three would probably be the, um, spicy chicken patties they had. Number two would be chicken tenders and fries. They, I don't know why, but their chicken tenders were really good. And by far the best food, best meal they've ever had. I, I guess you can't even call it a meal. But the best thing I think they've ever had is just... I don't... I, 
like mature cheese sticks, I guess you could call them. Because they're not like deep fried cheese sticks. They're surrounded in dough and then baked with cheese. It, it's really good. It's a mature mm. cheese stick. That's what I call it. It's not it. like a it's not a cheese. Okay, I got you. Okay. It's not deep fried. It's not breaded. It's baked. Yeah, it's like it's like a stuffed crust, but without the rest of the pizza. Okay, I'm following you. That sounds interesting. And, that sounds and good. good. The best seller every time was there because we um, believe it or not, we still got lunch calendars. Um. Everyone were talking about it, and I think there was only one time where they didn't cook them right and gave half the school food poisoning. But other than that, they always were great. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Eric, how about you, buddy? What's a favorite school lunch? Uh, it, it was the classic, the obvious uh, pan pizza. You had pan pizza? I know what yeah. you're talking about. Sheet pan pizza. They, they kind of look like a boat. Yeah, they're super cheap pan pizzas, personalized pizzas. They were super great. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, they were nothing special. It was like a TV dinner type deal. Or it was just like a little a little pizza that was in the shape of a boat. And, uh, yeah, you got one of those. Or if you got doubles, you get to have two. Or you could trade your friends half your soul. And uh, you would get a third one. But... Uh, another interesting one from back in my high school days. Um, it was just ham and cheese and turkey club sandwich. That was it. And for some reason, it was the best damn sandwich you have ever eaten in your entire life. No shit. Now, mind you, I, I did spend most of my elementary school, junior high, and high school career starving myself throughout the winter for wrestling, so oh, oh man, anything tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> that spring season hit, and I could eat whatever I wanted. Oh my goodness, that was so so delicious. This probably uh, echoes back to you saying that like you know, you'd be satisfied with dirt if it provided you enough sustenance. Maybe that's yeah. coming from the wrestling era. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. eating is, you know, it's it's kind of a privilege to eat. And, you know, <laughs> I just do it just because I have to do it. But it is, there's a couple good things out there. But, yeah, starving myself for, you know, a couple months there, that, that was always fun. And then uh, going completely hog wild in the spring and summer and part of the fall to get ready for winter. Uh, it definitely changes your outlook on food and whether you really need it or not. Yeah, I can I, I can only imagine I never participated, but I remember people that were friends of mine that were into wrestling while I was in the food service industry. I remember them showing up at the pizzeria, like communicating with them and being like, yeah, I'm working and, you know, if you need this or this and they would show up and i i don't really know how it exactly works but I, they would show up whenever they were able to eat or when it didn't quite matter and they would basically binge pizza and uh wings and it, it was 
it was kind of wild to watch it go from like I would see them in school for weeks on end essentially following a very strict plan and then once a match or a tournament or whatever the case was was over there was like a whole binge cycle and a lot of it happened at the pizza shop I worked at so it was kind of it was kind of unique to be the outside looking in because I got to see both sides of the cycle I guess and uh yeah that was those are some late nights because there was a lot of pizza that needed to be made at like 10 o'clock at night (laughs) uh my favorite school lunches i'd have to say is uh they made really good chicken over biscuits and it was based on what i was told it was uh homemade and then shout out to mrs t meyer she would always let me know when chicken over biscuits was coming for lunch but more importantly she would let me know when breakfast pizza was being made and uh that would be like basically my senior year the only time it would show up on time was breakfast pizza day and it was essentially a square cut pizza that was uh sauce mozzarella uh sausage i believe was all of the ingredients but it was uh, delightful, and Mrs. T. Meyer would always kind of cue me in on, because we always got ours monthly, but she would kind of cue me in on like when I could expect the resurgence of the next breakfast pizza, so I'd get my ass to school. She was probably just mostly lying to me and making sure I got there on time, but good woman and great lunch lady and a great cook. So I think that the last question that I want to ask is the bond of not so much just the food, but the, the bond of sharing food, sharing a meal with someone. Was there ever a family member that you connected with? And this could be not only enjoying the meal as in eating it, but in preparing it together or whatever the case may be. Is there a family member or a memory of food connecting you to someone else through the process? Hmm. I think my best answer for this is probably um, the whoopie pies are gobs for the only state that says it. Um, Gobs, get used to it. It's whoopie pies, you're wrong. Everyone else will agree with me. Um, Simulate, damn it. I'm not going to listen to one out of 49 states call it gobs. Leave your comment in the the, the box below. Yeah, which one is it? Gob or whoopie pie? And please tell Gordon he's wrong, even if you agree with him. Pumpkin whoopie pies. My mom shared the uh, family recipe, and it's probably my favorite thing to bake. Probably one of the only baking recipes I have memorized. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a connection. It's beyond the baked good. It's a connection. Yeah. That makes sense. Eric, what about you, buddy? Do you have any, um, like, grilling with your dad or any kind of memories like that that connect you through the food route? Uh, well, being that I was kind of raised in, like, the country boy aspect of um, 
butchering your own beef and pig and stuff like that. You know, that was always good bonding time with my family. Well, with my dad, mostly. Uh, but the one of the bigger things that uh, my dad's side of the family, which my dad mostly started, was um, making apple butter every season. Ooh. And, you know, you start out with a couple hundred gallon of cider, you know, apple juice cider, and you boil it down, and, you know, you keep it, you, you gotta keep stirring it all day, all day, you know, you start this process at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, and by the time it's, like, 7 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock at night, you've finally boiled that stuff down with the proper seasoning and stuff that you have, you know, a couple quarts of apple butter, and then, uh, you know, that's that's always a good family bonding time is, you know, who gets to stir the pot, the, the, the giant cauldron this this hour, you know. <laughs> and you sit there with your really long stick and you, you just slowly churn it all day for your shift. And, uh, you know, the family's all around and we're all hanging out and eating whatever food that they prepared for their, you know, mostly desserts and snacky stuff. And, you know, it's mm. a... It's definitely a fun bonding time with the family, and uh, it's like an event. Yeah. Yes, it is the apple butter fest. <laughs> and I'm sure that's a lot of good memories. Oh yeah, you know, all, all my relatives, my grandparents, and you know, my great aunts and uncles—they were always there during the apple butter fest, and you know, we have a lot of pictures and a lot of memories from said event. So. You know, that will always be, you know, another thing that sticks with us, you know. I, I guess both sides of my family are very heavily steeped in their tradition and lore of uh, keeping things going, whether nobody likes apple butter or not, which I don't know who doesn't like apple butter. That shit's know. awesome. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool stuff. I had a... My grandma Rose was not biologically connected to me. She married my grandfather after my uh, grandma passed away. And it was a really cool bonding experience because she never really, like, pressed herself into, like, the whole grandma role. She was like, I'm Rose. And that's all it ever has to be. But, of course, it developed into, like, a very mutual love and... Uh, it was when she was sharing recipes from her family with me. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of my family would be like, you know, they'd be out at the bonfire, they'd be out, we would have parties for holidays and Super Bowl and different things like that. Well, I knew I was getting the good recipes and the good food and getting taught something pretty cool and I was getting to hang out with Rose and quite honestly I liked her more than most of the people that were invited to these parties and uh, she'd slip me a little bit of wine here and there but we don't talk about that part and it was such a bonding experience for her and I that transcended you know we were friends first and it helped us grow into a step-grandmother, step-grandson, I guess, because she was married in. It really kind of wiped away that all that bullshit and just made us family because it's hard to 
deny you know when you're sharing those cooking experiences like you said eric it's like an all-day event and you're just churning out food for people and you're just by the end of it you're just ready to get a shower and go to bed you didn't even get to enjoy yourself i would saddle up to her for those and learn as much as i could and help her along the way and it, it ended up being like more about the companionship and the memory than it did and i mean the recipes were fire but it wasn't about that and it, it was it became a cool experience I guess it's safe to say that food really does connect. It's it's okay to be nerdy about food because it's it connects a lot of core memories and a lot of experiences together, I think. Yeah, it really brings people together. Most of the time. As long as it doesn't end up in a food fight, I think it's success. <laughs> Well, boys, is there anything else we want to cover on this topic of being nerdy about food? Or is this where we want to leave it for now? I think this is a good place for now. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I want to thank both of you for being here with me. And I want to thank those of you out there that are listening. Um, like we always say, we can be nerds about so many different things. And it's okay. It's cool. And it's probably more interesting than you think it is. So drop us a line. Tell us what memories you have with food. Um, what drew you into learning how to cook? Or if you're an amateur and you've never tried, are you a little bit interested? Do you want to test the waters? We love to hear from all of you. Again, we have a Discord community that's set up for this type of discussion. And if you would like to join that, please click the link in the description box below. And I want to thank all of our sponsors for today's video. When you support them, you are supporting us. And it's greatly, greatly appreciated. And with that being said, I'm going to sign off. And I will see you in the next one. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasy Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. Today's guest host was Robert Van Jacobs. You can follow him on all social media platforms at Bobby Dub Music. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod or find us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds.